talk about core four. <laughs> and we're recording already. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know how it goes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we gotta get a little chatter in before we start. Hello everyone. This is the Riding Gravel Radio Ranch episode number ninety-nine, I believe. Correct, ninety-nine. We have to do something special for our episode one hundred. Well, we need to remind everyone that you're a Gravel Hall of Fame inductee, the premier class, yeah. nonetheless. Yeah, the first one. <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to the Riding Gravel Radio Ranch. This is Guitar Ted with New York Roll, and we are safely ensconced in the Stone Castle Estate. Correct. That's where Dave lived, New York Roll. Yep. And uh, today, we're going to let you know that we're sponsored by Bike Rags. He's, they're our sponsor. Tony down at Bike Rags is awesome. He was fine, fine darn sponsor. You just saw him, didn't you? Oh, we'll, we'll get into that. Okay, well, we'll leave that for later. So Bike Rags is um, a supplier of swag in the form of any event kind of promotional materials you might need, like koozies or bottles or jerseys or shirt T-shirts, hats, all that sort of thing. We've used bike rags in the past for different things and been very pleased with their product. Um, get a hold of them. They have real low minimum orders and super easy to work with. And um, you can reach them at, uh, what is their email again? Or their oh, just list. Google bike rags. Bike rags, yeah. Google bike rags. Everybody knows Google. It's your friend, right? Bike rags. Sponsors uh, Riding Gravel has for quite a while now, and we really appreciate it. Thanks. All right. So what have you been up to, Mr. New York Roll? Uh, We're drinking Topo, Topo, Topo Chico. Chico. Oh, yeah. What is Topo Chico? It's sparkling water. Oh, yeah, now you're shaking it. <laughs> Here, take mine. <laughs> well, I can, I can release it slowly. Right. <laughs> um, I'm kind of recovering from uh, Core 4. Did Core 4 last weekend. 50 miler on the single speed. Uh, Kate and Snoop down there in Cedar Rapids had kind of known that kid since he was uh 13 14 through the mountain biking racing circuit um he he won that division uh quite you know the single speed single speed he uh. won that um going into it i knew i was racing for third kind of because there was another gentleman from des moines Corey phillips who uh won gravel world 75 mile single speed distance the week prior um when Corey Used to race mountain bikes back in the day, probably about five, six years ago. His bike handling skills weren't that good, but mm -hmm. good Lord, what five, six years makes difference. You know, he he got some really good bike handling skills, but just wasn't enough to take out Caden. Caden's uh, like 22 now, so it's yeah. good to see people grow up and mature and, you know, kick your teeth in. It's kind of it's kind yeah. of the season, but uh, it's it's nice, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so Caden won that, and the... We didn't, I didn't had no clue about the other guys in the field. So I knew I, if anything, I was mm -hmm. racing for third because I knew I didn't stand chance with those two. But, um, some guy from Arizona got third. So, yeah, I didn't even stand a chance. I was 50 minutes behind him. But, um, <laughs> well, we'll get into that. Um, overall, I'd give Core Four a probably an A. Well, hold on just a minute. What is, what the oh, heck is, oh, yeah, I'm what sorry. the heck is Core Four? Reel me back in. Core 4 is a uh, mixed surface race. Um, they have four surfaces, they claim. Rule 3 has three. 
core four has four. They threw in a little bit of bike path into it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, or B roads, however you want to declare the fourth. B service. roads are dirt roads. Yeah. And then ours minimum maintenance roads yep. for, for Nebraska. Uh, so you start off on a gravel road, you hit a little bit of pavement for probably about a hundred yards turned off. And then you start hitting a stringer of B roads and, um, I'm pretty sure one of them had to be a farm drive, if not a C road. <laughs> I, think, I think they mentioned some about that. Yeah. Yeah. C road in Iowa. Um, there has to be a sign up. It's a, uh, technically a dead road. It's gated. Yep. It's now under private ownership, but the right of way is maintained by the state or the county, but it's still treated Well, the as state or county still owns it, but they allow the local landowner private use of it okay. to reach their fields or whatever they need to do. So it's kind of like a glorified farm drive owned right. by the state. Right. The state wants to retain the right to make it a road in case they ever need to do that. Okay. I, I knew there was some sort of, main, you know, anyways. Um, yeah, so we went down that, and then uh, we went into Sugar Bottom, um, which is a local mountain biking area owned by the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers on Sugar Bottom Lake. Lake McBride, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, Lake McBride, I'm sorry. Yeah. It's down just north yeah. of Iowa City, north yep. of Coralville, Iowa. And it's due east of North Liberty. Mm-hmm. And so you ran about eight miles of single track in there, and then you pop out and you do some gravel and a little bit of tarmac on the way back in. Um, so you, you cover very many different textures of the earth, kind mm-hmm. of. Um, but, yeah, I had a good time. Uh, registration was easy. Uh, night before, I went down, dropped off another rider who was camping out with his friends. I did a pick up, uh, packet pickup. Uh, had Ella with me. She was a star of Big Grove Brewery down there in Iowa City. Ella's the dog here that you hear walking around. Yeah, you hear clippity clops. <laughs> um, anyway, so uh, packet pickup was really easy. Um, mm-hmm. Very intuitive. Nothing hard. Uh, I think the brewery was a good location. A lot of outdoor seating. Um, you could go inside too as well, but it's kind of an open format. Uh, when I say that, they have several garage doors where the weather's nice. They just roll them up, so mm-hmm. it's a hard time to tell indoors from outdoors. I shouldn't say it's a hard time. You can clearly tell, but, you know, it, it makes it fairly Depends easy. on how many big groves you've had. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, <coughs> excuse me. So, pack-up pickup was smart. And the only complaint there is parking was limited, but that, mm-hmm. you know, there's not much you can really do with that. Well, let's let's just uh, put it in in context. Uh, you know, most gravel events in Iowa probably draw between 100 and 200 people on, and I would say there's a fair amount that draw even less than that. Uh, this by far was the biggest gravel event ever held in Iowa, if you want to call it a gravel event. I mean, they had other things they rode on, obviously, as New York Roll just said, but I think they had close to 600. What I heard. Um. In attendance, most likely pre-registered uh, 669, according to bike rags. Mm-hmm. I mean, bike rags, <laughs> according to the registration site. Um, so there's that. Um, I would say that probably 600 people attended overall. Yeah. Um, so that's a good size event for anywhere. Yeah. 
It's nothing, <laughs> nothing not to be not for proud bicycles, of. bicycles, you know. Especially for the first year out of yeah, the gate. Yeah, that's true. And you're in middle of nowhere, Iowa, which is not really known for biking other than Ragbri. Right. So just to get that number alone, I believe they said they had 24 states. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. So their, their numbers from a marketing angle were pretty darn good. Um, morning of the event, uh, parking. If my friend, my other friend had it, taken his motor home there, um, parking would have been weird for me. I just kind of rolled up into his campsite down the bottom of the hill, and then um, a couple of racers made sure there was a opening um, so other cars could park because there wasn't any management of it down there. So my biggest critique of them was they got to work on their parking. Growing pains. Yeah, yep. first year growing pains. Yep. I mean, if they ran it as well as you're saying for a first year event of that size, that's pretty impressive, and you're gonna have you're gonna have issues that you you forgot to really pay a lot of attention to that needed it. And yeah, the parking was, sounds like one of them. And that that's that's my biggest critique right there. If I'm gonna put a ding into it, that that's it. They should have just had someone down there directing the parking. Um, yeah. but that's fair. That that it is what it is. It yeah. kind of resolved itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I I think it goes back to the type of people gravel tracks. So people want a successful event, whereas I think if you would have been with a different population of people, regardless of the sport, people wouldn't have given a crap. Yeah. They just will let it stack up and be a problem. Right. So I think that speaks to the people who attend gravel events. Yeah. Um, porta potties on site. Well, they did it at Wilson Orchard Farms, which, you know, is it's a place that sells hard cider and all that good stuff. And um, they also were selling beer there that day. So facility usage was was there. But um, also, it's not a place that can handle, you know, a small town right. all in one day. So uh, the porta potties they had there, I counted probably about ten, and they were they were the good ones. And when I say the good ones, they have the graded bottoms. So if it was a muddy day. The mud on your shoes would fall onto the ground. Oh, I haven't seen one of those. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You, they look like the um, graded pallets. Oh, I got, I know what you mean, but I just never. Re- I don't think I've ever been in one. Oh like no, that. I pay attention to the porta potties because you go to <laughs> enough muddy you races. The high end ones there. Oh man. yeah. Well, I'm used to just the old plain old plastic ones. Yeah, no, they, they had the graded bottoms. So if there if it was a muddy day, the mud huh? would shear off and wouldn't build up in there. Um, Again, my only other critique, because I'm a weirdo, would be I'd like to see, and when I put on my own events, I make sure this happens. Um, I make sure we have a handicap, one or two porta potties. Right. And it's not so much for the handicap people. I, I, I know I'm cringing when I say this. This does not come out well. But it's more for the women when they show up, they can have a place to change right. in case they forget something. And that's the only reason why I push the handicap ones. Um, when we did the bridge to bridge ride for the bike collective this spring, I advocated for the handicap porta potty and everyone looked at me. And as soon as I said, it gives women a chance to change in private, they don't have to do it out in the open. Right. And then everyone's like, oh, okay, got it. Makes sense. We'll spend the extra $25. Not like back in the nineties when we used to change into our kit back in, out in the parking lot behind an open door. <laughs> the I, car. That's, I mean, I have no shame. I mean. Yeah, I'm, you just whipped off your clothes and threw them, threw on, you know, it was, I, 
Yeah, it it's a different time, Mark. It was basically <laughs> like a commune. <laughs> I I have no problems with throwing a door open, wrapping a towel, and doing it myself. I have yeah. no problems, but let the little man be free. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm just trying to take the uh, approach of giving people the opportunity. Yeah, and it's no, it makes sense. Yeah, it's easier to change yeah. in the handicap porta potty than mm-hmm. it is the. Uh, you got room to one. move. You got remove room. Uh, pardon me. Move room to turn around and move. You yeah. Know? I mean, and you have to have that when you're yeah. getting undressed and dressed. So. And yeah. at this point, half the people have turned off and not listened to this podcast <laughs> anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. Uh, anyway, so um, again, sustained. I mean, Dave's over here rating a race based upon the porta potty. So yeah, yeah, details matter in this case because this was a dry year. Yeah. What happens next year if it's muddy? Right. You have that many B roads. Right. You're I thought about that. Yep. You know, you get a lot of people walking and breaking stuff. And, you know, I guess that's part of part of riding gravel. Um, you know, I was there in Dirty Kansas in the mud year <laughs> in 2015. And I think they said they had like over 300 derailers break that day. Um, yep. And I saw bits and pieces laying on the road all over the place. But, I mean, you know, it, racing's expensive. In any form of racing, yeah. I mean, you you go through equipment, you, know, you break things. It's part of the game plan. I don't know if a lot of people understand that. That's how it is. Yep. But I think you need to if you race. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. If it's a if it's a event that isn't competitive, that's a different story. Then you call it off. You know, it's correct. It's not worth it then for those people. But I think if you're paying to be in a competitive event, then that's part of the part and parcel of it. You got to you gotta expect that. Now, you know, I know in 2015 when we ran into that first level B road and every everybody was minimum maintenance in Kansas, but we ran into that and people were stopping and and in a huff and turn around, I'm not riding through that, you know. And well, that's kind of what you sign up for when you sign up for gravel yeah. events. It, it's core four, I, I think it would be fair to say it was an adventure race. Uh, more than more so than a straight up gravel race, but gravel racing has always been kind of adventure race based, in in yeah. many ways. So, it, I I would almost say yeah, it was gravel meets monster cross in a way. Right. Um, there was a lot of people hike a biking because they weren't comfortable with a Rudy single track on sure. a gravel bike. Um, I've ridden those. I started riding mountain bikes down on those trails, so I'm kind of used to getting bashed around. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of remembered. I hadn't rode down there in three years, so I kind of remember the lines on the routes, and a lot of it at Sugar Bombs left to right. So if you don't know that route system, go on the left side and ride it to the right. Um, probably if you do that, you're probably going to pick the wrong section. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> No, but it's just those little yeah. silly tricks, you know, from riding trails and, sure. you know, anyways, um, the race start, I watched the 100 go out. Uh, they took an old flatbed truck. I want to yeah, say. Yeah, I saw it, that. It was yep. like a three, it was like a three ton truck or it was yeah. a big straight truck. Yeah. They yeah. kind of did the Bobby Wintel, yeah. you know, follow me type of thing. They did that for both sets. Um, I kind of, my other critique and I, I don't know why. But I'm assuming it was based upon volunteers and trying to get people in and out. Uh, they started the uh, 100 at 8 o'clock and then the 50 at 
And to get to the single track for the 100 was shorter than it was for the 50. So at first I thought it was to try to decongest the single track, but then realizing that it was five miles shorter for the 100 to get to the single track, I was kind of like, I don't, I don't know what their rationale was behind the hour and a half start, but the reason why that matters to me was what happens later in the day with the sun going up. Mm-hmm. Um, at one point, my Wahoo said I was getting 104 greeting on the tarmac. Yeah, that makes sense. It was pretty hot that day. Yeah, and um, I've never cramped on the bike, and I cramped on the bike, and I was running Element, and that got rid of it, and I got to an aid station, mm-hmm. jammed a shotgun, a canned Coke down the throat. Yeah. I literally shotgunned it. And um, I got some Embark. Embark is that maple syrup prototype stuff I gave you from Wisconsin. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Yeah, so I jammed some of that down my throat, and um, that helped. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to bash anything. It helped. Um, but still, uh, I, I've never cramped up on a bike during a race. So, um Overall, I think I picked too light of a gearing. I think I spent a lot of my day spinning and uh, probably should not have ran um, 38.17 is what I ran. Uh, I think if I go after it next year, I want to run 42.18. And I think that'll put me up at 2.33 area. And I was running around a 2.25, I think, off the top of my head. Um think slightly little tall gear would have gave me a little bit more speed on the flats um and i once we were in the single track because i know that trail system i was mentally prepared but i watched a lot of people a lot of people get cracked in it um watched one guy take on a tree uh he took the descent turned the corner and mm-hmm. just oversteered it and you know then he tried to overcorrect and he i watched him break and fishtail and then boop Popped it right into it. He was fine. Uh, I think it startled him. But uh, anyway, so uh, overall, I, 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 I think the race is a good race. I think they had a really good first year. Um, I, I, w- I would go again next year. Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised if two to three years from now, not saying next year, but 2025, if they keep on building it the way they have been. I would not be surprised if it's a national race paired up with Rule 3 because I think those two, that pairing, I would not be shocked if you see a third race come on board someplace else in the country. Yeah, I don't know. You see the date they picked for next year? Is that Yeah, I saw August 19th, 2023. Is that going to conflict with Gravel Worlds? I I would bet it would. I wasn't positive about that. It's either that or it'll conflict with SBT Gravel and – yeah. Steamboat. So one of the two it's going to butt heads up against. But the one push I want to say is uh, Bike Iowa and Midwest Bikes down there in Des Moines are putting on a single-speed cyclocross race in Des Moines at Stone Park September 24th. Uh, we just had single-speed USA up in Decorah. Yep. And are we going to blow up Decorah on this one, give away the Decorah secrets on this podcast, or that could be a separate one? <laughs> what secrets are we going to That talk? people should go ride Decorah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of the secret, you yeah. know? And I don't care what format, just go ride Decorah. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, even if you're on, even if you just go to ride 
paved roads, it's awesome. Even if you go ride the trout bike yeah, path. Right. <laughs> bike path, uh, mountain biking, gravel riding, all of it. They have amazing pizza in that town, yeah. if it's still there. Yeah, they they do. Mabes, it's been there. Oh, Mabes is not that good. Yeah, but that's been there. That's where you, you're supposed yeah, to Yeah, there's a place across the street. It's like high in something, and that's really, really good. Yeah, they have good food up there. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm the I'm the part of the obnoxious Mabes is not pizza crowd. <laughs> <laughs> well, we won't go there. But yeah, it's uh, if you've never been, it's not easy to get to because it's in the driftless area and the roads are all twisty, twisty turny. You go through small towns, takes forever, but it's worth it. Yeah. Hashtag ride decora. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. For um, sure. But yeah, so other than that, that was core four. Had a good time. Enjoyed the race. Um, Nate Kohlbaum, if you're listening, please take out the 104 loop at Sugar Bottom, please. <laughs> why? I, why is that? It's not single speed friendly. <laughs> <laughs> I chose my choice. I chose my shot, and no. Yeah. Um. Oh well. I, it. it I, I survived. Yeah. Oh well. <laughs> All right. So that's a new event in Iowa we wanted to cover, and especially since New York Roll went and did it. So now you know. First year event this should be it's, it went over really well. I mean from everything yep. I could see, you know, it, it went over real well. I know another guy that biffed it there. Uh our our uh bicycle collective friend from Des Moines who uh really? is from Salty and Stupid Cycling, Bobby Kennedy, who I've interviewed on this podcast before. Yeah, he stacked it up and hit his head, had to be carted off to He was in the hundred? Yeah, I think so. So that happened on the B road, I think. I don't know where, where I don't uh, remember where he said it happened, but he, he was it early, it. early on. No, I don't think so because he has a ton of pictures from it. Okay, from never mind. Event. That was a different accident. Yeah. Uh, there was another guy who I used to race mountain bikes with. Who uh, they were going down a B road, and then there was a rut, and someone dropped down on the rut, took his rear wheel out, threw him off the bike. The other guy landed on top of him. Uh, the guy I know came back to the start and was not happy. And we're like, dude, you just left 15 minutes ago. What the heck? You know, and he's mm-hmm. like, Mm-mm, nope. He just had sol- shoulder surgery and all that, so he was being extra cautious. He's like, uh, so far, so good, but not worth it, kids. <coughs> yeah. Yep. Well. Oh, I forgot my bike rag story. Yeah. Yeah, you almost let me get away. Uh, <laughs> Tony, here's your free advertisement again, buddy. Um, so I loaded up the car the night before, and as I always do, I leave the chamois out. Uh, I leave my bibs out on the coffee table because I always make a game day decision if I'm going to drive down, kit it up, or go down in shorts. And um, where I found the chamois later on in the house tells me, I started to walk out the door with it and set it down because I fixed my headset on my single speed that morning. I was having an issue with the uh, steer tube, and I got that fixed. And I get about 45 minutes away from the house. I reach behind me and discover that the chamois not in the car. I call up, you know, Tom Claver to see if he was awake. He was awake. And... We just decided I was going to race in my shorts. It didn't make any sense for him to grab my chamois to come meet me someplace, but at that time I'd be pushing, you know, yeah, too late. start time, yeah. So I just committed to racing, you know, 
<clears throat> without a set of bibs. Racing commando. Pretty much. <laughs> and you know how my short shorts are. Yeah. <laughs> they're they're running shorts, so. Yeah, don't ride behind him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. Anyway, so uh, I uh, I get down there, and I, I'm talking to someone, and then I go, and I see Tony at, from Tony at Bike Rags, and uh, I just, he's like, well, how are you doing this morning? I was like, well, you know, everything's going great, except I forgot my bibs at the house. And he goes, well, come over to the tent. And he hands me a set of bibs. He goes, I looked at him, I go, well, how much do I owe you? He goes, eh, we'll talk about it later, which, you know, in the Midwest is kind of, don't worry about it. Yeah, <laughs> right. So, uh, yeah, Tony saved my race, you know. And, and other things. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure. He's um, a good guy. Yeah, yeah, He's I'm pretty sure guy. I might, uh, I would have been sore. Or worse. Yeah. Yeah, 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 wouldn't have went well, especially when it was that hot. No, no, it wouldn't have gone well. Yeah, no. He's a good man. He saved you. That's yep. awesome. Thanks, Tony. Appreciate it. Thank you. I would uh, toast you, but I drank all my Topo Chico already. How that was did you good. go through it that fast? Because you were yakking about Core Four, and I just didn't have anything else to do. Well, I got all I got left is Oktoberfest beer. Oh well, yeah, I got to go to work, you know, so yeah, I can't yeah. be doing that. No, you shouldn't. <laughs> um. <laughs> But thanks for the Topo Chico. I like saying that. Topo Chico. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> fun to say. And this is how we get canceled. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so it reminds me of uh, Topo Gigio from Ed Sullivan's show back when I was a kid. Okay. It shows you how old I am. I have, I know who, yeah, <laughs> no clue. <laughs> yeah, you older folks will understand that one. All right, well, moving on now. Um, Let's talk about uh, the controversy that we I had you review that came out of Gravel Worlds. Yeah. So I believe it was on Velo News. They had a – I don't know if it was on Velo News. Was it a direct I, link to her blog? I think it was a direct, just a direct link, link to her blog I found on Twitter. But the second-place women's finisher page – I can't figure out where the last name is. Her, her blog's page-powered. That's why I remember that. But anyway, that's not quite so important as just the overall issue, which seems to be cropping up more and more in the pro level, elite level, women's gravel field. And part of the reason that it's happening is because these elite level and pro women have always had separate fields in mountain biking or road racing, where whatever discipline they came from. Yeah. In gravel, ever since the beginning, we just put everybody around the start line. Didn't matter what class you were in. You just went. Yep. And uh, so when that's kind of been held on to, all right, and it seems to work for 95% of the people, like Dave Pryor would have said in our last episode. If you haven't listened to that, go go check that out. Um, but what happens is, that the men's field has faster, stronger riders typically than the women's field. So the women, the elite women tag on to these guys and they use them as a wheel to follow, if not draft them. All right. Yep. And that's been happening for a long time. But now that there's money and there's sponsorship on the line, 
for these athletes, which hasn't always been the case until the last few years. The last last year and a half, probably. It's before the pandemic, it really wasn't that big of a deal. Well, I thought it was just starting to raise its head pre-pandemic. I thought that one lady yeah. who drafted her boyfriend at DK. That's what that's where it started. Yeah. But there was no there was no real issue of um it was yeah, I, w- I would okay, I'll, that's fair enough. I'll let it go with that. It, that kind of started. That's where it started from. But it's become a real big problem now. And the reason and the reason is because you can win money and you can win sponsorships and and you people are trying to make a career out of being a privateer gravel racer, right? Yep. All right. So, with that established, you can see why maybe uh certain women find it unfair if they've got uh, competitor in the field that has a male teammate on them, like they're both from the same team, all right? Yeah. Which has is happening more and more. So this is what happened, I guess, at Growl World, and apparently, um, the team manager of uh, whatever team I can't remember. I, I know the guy's name is initials are TD. Uh, he was former pro road oh, pro. Oh, you're talking about Sync. I don't know what their team name was. But anyway, he was seen on the course in different places by this woman that wrote the blog. And he was heckling her and throwing up his hands in the air like, you're going to draft your teammate all the way through. and That's not fair and blah, blah, blah. And anyway, so it's kind of devolved into he said, she said, and there's heckling and there's, you know, um, intimidation by people not to mention the fact that team cars aren't even supposed to be on the course at growl worlds nobody connected with a team is supposed to be on the course that's that's self that's uh not self-support you know when when that happens yep. it's just ex- explicitly forbidden by gravel world now there's several problems here all right so you've got you've got two uh different levels you know i mean it's kind of hard to talk about this without so- sounding somewhat sexist, but men, these women are using the men as as guys to follow because it's an advantage. So what's that tell you? Uh, if and I think what you got to do is separate the two out. Yeah, but Paige did make a comment that the women, when she was in that first group that she found herself with, the women were pitching in and they were pulling. Yeah, oh, so, certainly. So. But Let's give them their due on that. Yeah, they work together. Yeah. I'm not saying they don't. Yeah. But when the gut, when the fast guys come through, and she even says it in her blog, we got to grab their wheel. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, what's that tell you? They're, I, they're faster, right? I'm, I'm, tr- I'm trying to. <laughs> it's uh, an advantage to follow them. So I'm, I'm trying to paint the picture for the people who have right, not read the blog. Right. Right. So I'm just saying that it's kind of hard to. You can jump on that and say, "Well, that's you're just you're just being sexist." Well, and, I mean, it was her teammate. It's her and teammate. And he had a mechanical, and whether he, it was a tube or a mechanical, yeah, I can't and, remember. And when she said he's faster, and when he comes through, we got to grab this guy's wheel. She was telling that to all the gals. It wasn't just for her. It wasn't a fair, was an unfair yeah. advantage. She right. announced it. Right. She just announced it and said, we all need to follow this guy's wheel. So, and uh, she was the only one who hopped on. Right. So. Right. So there you go. But see, there's, you know, who knows who's to say these other people said, well, we can't do that. That's not cool. Well, is it cool or is it not cool? See, there's there's questions, right? I, to me, it's clear. But I'm the anomaly here. I'm like, it's a neutral wheel. Everyone right. who's on that course 
It wasn't a motorbike. It wasn't an e-bike. It wasn't a car. Mm -hmm. It was another rider within the event. So in my head, this is cut and clear. Who cares about the jersey? Who cares if they're on the same team? Well, those other women could have yeah. hopped on that wheel. You're 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 not you're not wrong, but but it's on the, on the, the other rules. hand, it's other on the other hand, you've got these other these pros and elites that come from a different background, where that's seen as not being cool. So okay, let's throw this into the mix. So you have accusations of uh, self support not being done. So g gals that start with a hydration pack or guys that start with a hydration pack and three water bottles show up at the end of the race with no hydration pack and two water bottles. Well, where'd your stuff go? In you're a garbage can at Casey's. You're supposed to have it with you <laughs> when you finish, right? Or, you know, the, or I've, I've seen it myself where people have a rain jacket on and, then, you know, half an hour later, where the rain jacket's gone and they don't have a bag on their bike to put it in. So where did it go? So even, right. even taking that rain jacket off, setting it in a, let's say, a gazebo in a park, and then calling someone and telling them to come pick that up, that would still be support in my book. Yeah, exactly. Or if you're just throwing it in the ditch, that's littering. That's worse. I, I was taking the high road. Right. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, so what's going on here, you know? And uh, – if they're ditching stuff off, are they picking stuff up too? Because that happened to DK too. Is I there know. any checkpoints at Gravel Worlds? Yeah, sure there are. So are they allowed to? There's lots of cheering and people run through a, a chip timer and, and that's all they do. So what happens if you stop and you dropped, out, you dropped your camel back and said, hey, can you just throw this at the finish line for me? Would that hey. be support to a random stranger? Well, it, I, I would say if the event promoter allows allows that explicitly, then that's cool. Okay. And I'm guessing Gravel Worlds does not have a rule on that. I'm, I have no idea. I'm guessing. Yeah. I, right. I'm, they've probably never thought about it. Who does? You know, who thinks about these, these fine details? Until they happen. Until they happen, right? So, um, you know, I, I don't mean to pick on any particular event promoters, but the thing is there's lots of things going on here, like I said before. So there's, there's people who have expectations of how a race should be run coming from different disciplines. There's people with expectations of how gravel events are run that have been in it for years, and that's not, quote, the spirit of gravel, unquote, whatever that means to you. Yeah. And so the two are rubbing against each other, and we get friction. We talked about this with Dave Pryor, too. There's friction there, and some there's going to have to be a meeting of the minds to clean this up. Well, yeah, this is just messy right now. It's just, it's messy. But so I, I, I read, I read that pages blog and, and I was, uh, I'll tr we'll try to find that and link it in the show notes. Um, so you can read it, but <laughs> I read it three times yeah. and I'm, I'm conflicted. Yeah. I, There's a lot going on there. Th yeah. It's very complicated. I walked away with a new hashtag. What's that? Hashtag gravel shade. <laughs> there was some shade being thrown around towards the end. Yeah, well, and for sure. But, um, you know, and, and it, all, it all stems from the fact that there's stuff on the line now, mm -hmm. right? So if you don't show good results, you might lose your sponsorship. Yeah. You know, if you win a race, you've solidified that. Not only that, but if there's prize money, you get it. You know, you get that. 
And that helps you out because these people are living on shoestring budget, right? Yeah. Going back to what I said two podcasts ago, you know, um, these people don't make a lot of money. They're kitted out well. They get paid in kit. They get paid in, you know, product. uh, Product. Yeah. Cash, not so much. Not so much. And it's hard to pay the electric bill and put gas in the car when you... You're that way. So, I mean, I, I I can sympathize with them from the standpoint they want a fair playing field, and they see things that they don't feel are fair. So yep. there needs to be, and I think if you are an event director uh, that has a pro and elite field, you need to sit down with these people and say, look, you know, uh, we need to get this straightened out because there's talk of, well, we need a sanctioning body to straighten this out. And I don't agree with that. I mean, that's kind of like unionization. Right. Um, it is I, like that. Yeah, it's like that. And some places it's great. Some places it's not. Right. And I think Gravel Worlds, I'll leave that up to them. Never been there. I don't know those. I've met Corey mm-hmm. once. I met Matt Gersup. He's kind of a shadowy figure with them. He's more on the volunteer <laughs> side of it. Yeah. You know? I would not say he's part of the organization, but he's he's on the periphery. Mm-hmm. Met Matt a couple times. They're they're good people. Yeah, and I think and they I think most of these people that run like SPT Gravel, I'm sure they have great intentions. And they're not making sure money at this, right? And so, I think what these pros need to get through their heads is keep your whining up, keep your complaining up, and these people will no longer volunteer their time to put on these events because you made it too much too much drama. Yeah, there could be that's, some of that. And I I think that's what these people need to know. You want to complain? Go to a lifetime event. Yeah. I, well, even I'm there, I'm not even trying to throw shade at them. It's e- even there, that's got to be straightened out, right? Yeah. But so, but the, my point is, is that unless you want an overarching UCI kind of thing happening, which you, you can see what that what, where that led you, and in Norba, where did that lead you? That led you to a place where you didn't want to go to those events anymore. Why do you yeah. think gravel events sprung up and grew like mad? It's because people were t- sick and tired of all the rules yeah. and the BS that went on with those organizations. So, um, and then if you really want to um, take the life out of what made gravel events cool, then homogenize them. And then you, you're going to do that if you put a, put a, sanctioning body over it. we talked about this stuff back way back when when we very first started getting involved in this in the, in the late 2000s yeah uh there was a lot of talk of well you know should we have a series should we have uh sanctioning body should we homogenize our rules so when people go from one to the other that they're they're the same thing they, they'll be racing under the same rules and i said well if you have a series you're gonna have to do that yeah. And I said, I don't not, I'm not interested in running my race like you run your race. Oh, and they wanted the triple crown? Right. Yeah, that's kind of where that, that started. And, you know, and, and uh, DK people were like, yeah, we don't want to run our race like Trans-Iowa, and we don't want to run our race like Gravel Worlds and, you know, so on and so forth. So, um, and I think that's what made, I mean, can you imagine if Core 4 wasn't Core 4 anymore because you it, it, they had to change a bunch of stuff to be like, unbound to be like spt gravel to be like gravel world so they were all the same it would take the life out of why would you go yeah why would you go you just go to one right you got the flavor (laughs) right right yeah and so that's that (laughs) would take the lifeblood out of the movement you know out of the scene so we don't want that's why we don't want to see that happen and what i'd rather see happen is 
have the event directors be more proactive and set expectations and then enforce those. And I don't think that's happening as much as it should be. Yeah. That's what I'll, I'll say about that. I'm not going to pick on anybody in particular, but having put on events, you know, it you need to ride that real hard with with the pointy end of the of the race. I, so I, they understand that if something happens that is not expected, that's going to be dealt with right away and swiftly and and with and you know, with an iron fist. It's going to be this way. There's no question. So when they get it, get to that race, they understand that, and yeah. they they can understand uh, that it's going to be applied fairly, no matter who you are, right? So that's another thing that happens. I think sometimes, you know, with certain events, you know, I don't care who you are, you know, like when Dave, I think when we came up with Dave Pryor, but people have asked me, you know, would you ever put on a Trans Iowa again? And I said, sure. And I, they said, well, would you, who would you let in? I'm not let anybody in. You know, I don't care who you are. Just you know. apply. <laughs> you, well, read you, the blog. <laughs> you, read the, you read the rules, and this is how it works. And I don't care who you are. Not, there's no comping anybody in. There's no special considerations. Well, I've, I've been so. told there's comps to Trans Iowa. <laughs> I just rolled my eyes when the guy told me, I can get underneath the industry. I was yeah. like, you okay. Know. Yeah. But see, that's, <laughs> that's just an example of how you have to be, have to run it for the pro and the elite athletes to understand that there is going to be repercussions for crossing lines. And, yeah. and these are the fences we got to be in and okay, let's race now. All right. We get it. And I think there's, there's a way to figure it out. And I think each event director can modify that to fit their, the flavor of their event, whatever that event is. And I think that's what needs to happen. But I think there needs to be a dialogue for sure between the elites and the event directors to get it straightened out. My 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 pitch would be is every wheel on that course is rideable. So we're not changing anything. If it happens to be your teammate, it happens to be your teammate. Mm-hmm. There's Connie Inks, you know, God yeah. bless her soul, is gone, right? Yeah. Died riding her bike. Um, she was... Um, because Kruger was no longer riding in the area. She was the strongest cyclist in this area. Yeah. Men included. Yep. I mean, she was just straight up BA. Mm -hmm. And um, how do I know? She dropped me off her (laughs) wheel a lot. Yeah. Um, But there's an example of a woman who could take it to the guys. Yeah. So I just don't see this being one way or the other. Um. With that said, uh, I'm, I would rather gravel stay gravel. I mean, this is what made it cool. This mm-hmm. is what made it fun. Mass starts are a big part of it. So if I was putting on a race of that level, that caliber, every wheel on that course is rideable. Be smart about it. If it's your teammates, your teammate. Um, at certain end of the day, your integrity has to come in. I don't think anything that Paige did was wrong. Actually, I do think something that she did was wrong. She let some other person who was a non-event person get in her head, yeah. and he won. Um, yeah, and he shouldn't have been out there in the first place. And Again, she kind of <laughs> covers that. She doesn't know if he had yeah. a press pass. Yeah, um, well, I think that's another place where events need to clean things up. Yep. Get all those people out of there. 
They don't, they don't need to be out there. And um, maybe that goes back to getting rid of published routes and going to cue sheets. Or how, how would yeah. that race change with cue sheets? You would not be seeing the times you see. You saw that in the last well, Trans-Iowa. Yeah, or you know, here's another idea. You're sponsored by Garmin. Okay, let's say you're sponsored by Garmin. And everybody gets a 520 at the start line, put it on your bike, and it's got the root in it. <laughs> right? And you turn them in at the end. But my Strava! <laughs> well, we don't care about that. Right? Um, or the other thing is, and Paige covered it, she said the ladies started, I think, 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. And the women were Ahead like, of the men, yeah. Yep. So the women started first, and the group women were like, well, we're just going to wait for the guys to come through. So at that point, there was already a lady agreement. Right. Of like, well, we're just going to set up and just wait for the... We're going to use these wheels. Air quotes. These, these strong horses you know. to follow, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're going to wait for them to come in, and we're sure. going to use them. Um, yep. So there was already... That's why I said to you, we, we kind of bantered about this offline. Um, I said to you, I said, send them down the same course for 10 miles and split them off and do their own thing. Do their own course. Where you can do things like that, you can do things like that in Nebraska. Now, if you're SPT gravel, you have to use the same course every year and you have limited roads. And yeah. I think in that case, you'd have to have two separate events. Yeah. And so. I am not for separate race days. I'm kind of not for separate starts. Um, splitting them off might get a little messy because mm-hmm. if you have them turning a right and someone's on the left side and then their unit goes off, says right turn, now they're crossing streams, possibly. You know? Um, oh, there's ways to do it. There's yeah. ways to do it. But, you know, y- your take is also fair because – if this is the expectation coming in, that this is how it's going to be. Everybody's going to be in, in the same group, and if you want to follow a wheel, you can. And if it's your teammate, so be it. And then if you don't like that, don't show up. That's where I'm at. Right. I'm, I'm kind of right. done with this pro whining. Right. And so you either show up and play by those rules, yeah. or you or you show up and or we modify the event to make you happy, or you go make your own event. Paige, if I was fast enough. So. Let me know if I was better shape, I would just say I'll I'll sign up for the next event and let you dr- run my wheel all day long, run <laughs> me to the ground. Um, but I'm yeah. not. I'm just yeah. fat. Yeah. <laughs> but see, this kind of stuff's been going on for years. Yeah, but it's it just, happened it, to me at uh, the Heck Epic. Yeah. I had a lady. She sat on my wheel for 65 miles. Yeah. Would it pull? Right. It didn't bother me. You know, it didn't bother me. It just made me a better rider. Um, and then at and if it did bother you, you just pull over. I tried hinting a couple of times. Well, you just stop. You yeah. know, I, I, this is these are the things I just, yeah. you know, if you don't want someone following well, you, we'll just pull over and stop. Yep. Go, see ya. I'm not going to leave until you are gone. Yeah. <laughs> nope, and I didn't you know, do that. You get it, rid of them, so. But um, it didn't bother me. Um, but that was her game plan was I'm just going to mm-hmm. conserve energy. And mm-hmm. I, but see, the, all that's the, smart all, racing, though. All this changes when you throw the money and the sponsorship stuff into it, and that just completely changes the people start taking risks they wouldn't normally take and people expect things they wouldn't normally expect and people you know that's it just changes the whole complexion of the of how you ride these events and so there there's a i think that's a problem that is going to have to be dealt with you know yeah. um 
I could see it coming way back when DK 200, you know, they were touting it as the world's premier gravel event and they, and it meant something if you won it, because then the next year you saw these people's faces splash on ads. Well, this, this is what, <laughs> this is what the winner, the, the queen of the DK 200 used these products and Colin Strickland and his chain oil <laughs> or whatever, you know, but you know, that, that was, that was a perk, right. That they got for, for winning it and it, they parlay it into marketing and wh- however that helped them out, it helped them out. But see, that wasn't always the case before you won an event and you got your name on the, on the top of the roster and everybody went home, talked about it. That was it, yeah. you know, so things have changed, but you know, women have been drafting off men forever. And I mean, men have been drafting off right, women forever. Right. So I mean, so, <laughs> but, but now it's a problem because women are making money off it. Yeah. Because and there's, there's careers. Not, I think it's BS. Yeah. I mean, this is a way just, just because it's always been done this way doesn't mean it's right. But this is one of those times where I'm like, this is what it is. This is what's always been. And this is kind of why people like doing this. Yeah. And if the pointy end wants to show their rear end and, their coaches want to go out on course and really break rules. Um, why? What was he doing out there? Yeah, that's why he I, he can't use an app to track his riders. Right. I I, I mean, we're at that point where, you know, wahoo! I can I can send right. track my trace and, and you're they gonna, could wear a radio. Yeah. I mean, if you really wanted to do it that way, you know. Yeah. So I I just I just don't uh, I don't understand a lot of uh, you know. I think the pros are ruining gravel well, or the influencers are ruining gravel. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just that it's, I don't want to sound like I don't want pros and, and elite athletes at gravel events, but th- I just, I just think something needs to be done. And I really think they need their own thing. Which UCI is trying to offer, but right. no one's going. Right. No one's going um, there. Yeah. I mean, the pointy end of the race is Dave Fryer. So yeah. it's the pointy end. Yeah. How do you manage it? And I'm of the opinion of why are you managing it? They should be held to the same rules. I mean, do yeah. we? Okay. So let's say 20th place female is doing the same exact thing. Who cares? Right. Nobody seems no to care cares. about that. Yeah. No one cares about the cheating going on in the back of the field. Is it cheating though? <laughs> I, no, but I'm just saying like... <laughs> You only hear about the top right, end. Right. Um, and the part of that's the media's problem, too. Yeah. It needs something to talk about. Let's create media, something. Media, marketing. Yeah. The and whole we get on this podcast every month and complain. The whole, <laughs> well, it's the whole culture of that top end that, that doesn't seem to, you know, like I said last week, you know, gravel is, from a political viewpoint, it's populist, right? It's Yeah. And, and the top end of gravel is capitalism driven. I, I'm just going to so throw it out there. Gravel was so much simpler when Greg Gleason was just winning it yeah. all. <laughs> <laughs> There's some gravel history there. Yeah. yeah. Miss you, Gle- Greg. Yeah. Get back on that damn bike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I just think that you know there's ways to figure it out. And it, it needs to be figured out. And whether you have separate races or whether you just say, hey, you know, this is the way it's going to be. And if you don't like it, don't show up. You know, um, which is fair. That's fair enough to just hold them all to the same standard as everyone. I, I say hold them all. Just put the expectations out there. Yeah. And so we, do we, we do too much of this catering. Yeah. And 
if you're if you're racing the top end and you know what the rules are, then what's your issue? Yeah, well, then the rules just need to be enforced. That's where the issue is, right? Yeah. That's when so, you, well, they need to be enforced either way, whether you have separate events or not. I'm not telling Gravel Worlds to pull back that first place ladies trophy, but it sounds like they should. If her coach was not supposed to be on course and you have another person saying it was. Yeah. Well, those penalties got to be called during the game. Yeah, I know. That's where I You fall can't be on calling that. strike right. after the batter right. is on base, right? So that's 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 part of the problem too. And that's asking a lot, right? I get it, you know. But there's got to be a way to figure this stuff out. It yep. just it needs to be figured out. Or you're going to run into this every single year. And USAC's and who wants policy that? is we're going to post the results, and you got 15 minutes to fo- to petition. Right. right? Not not to get your petition through and approved, to, just to file it. Right. right? Um, and if they're going to relegate somebody, they do it that day, usually. Yeah. And so. then in Paige's defense, she probably finished, and she was like, I just rode 150 miles. I'm going to the car. I'm going to the van. I'm going someplace, and I'm going to have some water, maybe a hot cup of coffee. I don't know. Um, you know, you finish an event, you're kind of tuckered out. You're not thinking right. about, well, let me go complain about this. Or, was, or what just happened. You're still sorting through all yeah. this stuff, right? Yeah. And I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, there's lots of emotions. There's lots of people wanting your ear, um, you know, uh you 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 don't remember some things until later yeah you know um which that's fair you know i've been i've been in events where it's taken me several hours to go oh yeah what the heck was the beginning of the race like i don't even remember oh yeah 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 and so uh, yeah that's it's tough to rely on the athletes for that that's why it's got to be somehow there's got to be a way where you can officiate that pointy end of the race and make sure that that part of it's fair if that if it means that much, if it's you know if it means sponsorships and career decisions are going to be based on your results from all these big events, then yeah, the event directors need to step it up and be a little bit more proactive in in setting boundaries and expectations and then enforcing those. Yeah. So if that if that that team leader shouldn't have been out there, well, he got away with it this time. Because you didn't catch him, I, I I don't. She said she saw him several times on the course. So yeah, I mean there were several opportunities to make that go away. I and I don't know. Like she said, maybe he had a, maybe he finagled some kind of way to be out there. It was okay, but we don't know, you know. So all right, let's close with anyway. uh, my first impression on this toe peak bag you just handed me. Yeah, I just put up uh, I put up a post. It's uh, on the site already. Uh, a, a box of toe peak stuff showed up. Yep. So yeah. So you handed me a rear toe peak saddlebag for yep. bike camping. It's a backloader X, okay. fifteen liter. So I ran something similar. Similar. Right now I run a Revelate Terrapin. I, I think know. that's what it is. Yeah. It's many many years old. It's one of Revelate's first ones. Um, so far, my impression is is I like the fact that there's some sort of plastic protection mm-hmm. on the on the I'll call it an ectoskeleton because there's two things. Yeah. It's a, there's an insertable bag that's removable. And then, there's a, bag. and then there's a exterior structure to it. So I'll call that an ectoskeleton. So that's kind of cool in my book because that prevents, if you're on a wet day, mm-hmm. moisture transitioning into the wet bag. You're like, but Dave, it's a wet bag. Well, yeah. Um, Is it a wet bag or a dry bag? Sorry, dry bag. <laughs> I'm 
It's an anti-wet bag. Yeah, it's a, I've been having one <laughs> heck of a day at work, trust me. Um, so, so far I like that. Um, it's fairly similar to what I see on the um, Revelate. So prior to mounting this on my bike, I kind of like it. Um, the one thing I've noticed is I, okay, those are Velcro, so those go on the saddle rails. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, short of mounting this, so far I like what I see. There's buckles on it, do you can release? Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure if these Velcro straps are as heavy duty as I would like them to be, but we'll see as soon as I get mm-hmm. it mounted. Maybe I'm just overthinking it, but overall, without actual testing, testing it, it meets storeroom appearance. Yeah, yeah it looks good. Seems to have all the things I would want. Um, other than that, I look forward to trying to use it. Yep. So I've got the 10 liter version of it. What's this one? So that's 15. I was about to say it's got to be bigger. Yeah. So and the dry bag's got a air valve. So when you roll yeah. roll the top down, it pushes the air out. So you can really make it small, yep, compact right there it on down. the side. So that's kind of neat. Yep. But uh, yeah, I look. The, we'll link that uh, article that I already posted, so you can see that. And before we go, I want to mention that. Um, the Riding Gravel Radio Ranch is now available on Guitar Ted Productions podcast site, which is yep. on um, Anchor FM. It will, s- sooner than later, it will be available on all podcast outlets. There will also be some uh, Guitar Ted Productions only stuff on that site as well, from that podcast as well. But we'll be sharing these there, and we'll be sharing these on the site also, as we always have. So just want to let you know that that's available, and we'll link that in the show notes too. So we appreciate you listening. Uh, thanks again to Tony from Bike Rags for helping out New York Roll at the Core 4 event. Oh, by the way, I wanted to mention before we leave, the logo. It struck me just the other day. Black with the flag? Logo. No. I was thinking black flag. I originally did too, but you know what it looks like? No. If you squint, it looks like a fist. <laughs> I thought, that's a fist that's what that is <laughs> I, so they were doing uh, they were doing uh tattoos down mm-hmm. there and they were doing black ones and it just hit me i was like black flag yeah i, I saw <laughs> that right away when i looked at it. but if you look at the bottom of it, it looks like your thumb under your oh yeah the four on the side yeah the four on the side looks like a, the thumb of a fist You're and saying I, alex alex is punching us with yeah, four exactly yeah and that, you know people tattoo things on their fingers you know when they form yeah. a fist. So that's what, yeah, I, I finally figured that. I'm slow. <laughs> I'm old and slow. <laughs> anyway, thanks for listening, folks. This is Guitar Dead New York Roll. We'll talk to you next time on the Riding Gravel Radio Ranch. <laughs>